Hello and welcome to an episode of Hollywood Chop Shop recognizable only as Deja Vu. We are your cinemechanics, Brett Mosher and Travis Santana. Today we'll be reviewing part three of our tune-in trilogy with 1997's Men in Black. We'll jump into our five-point inspection with Avatar, Script Polish, Galaxy and Balance, Odd Couple, and Franchise Tag. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. Jesus, you've really topped yourself this time. I had to use the emergency fund to post your bail. And what the hell is this about the blue goo you're covered in? I, I, I have no idea, but it, it stinks. Dude, all I remember is waking up in the back of the police car. They're not even telling me what I've been charged with. <laughs> well, I've got the arrest report right here. Animal cruelty? A animal cruelty? There's no way. I love all animals. Officer McCormick witnessed the suspect violently shaking a pug belonging to a street vendor. Uh, a pug? I, I don't remember that. I, why in God's name would I attack a little pathetic pug? Suspect could be heard shouting at the dog, Talk again, I know you can. Listen, Brett, I know I get into some shenanigans, but I swear, I, I don't remember. God, this is going to be such terrible PR for the shop. Well, there happened to be a couple of lawyers outside who said uh, they could help us. Uh, oh, here, they're right here right now. Uh, hey, amigo, do you remember me getting to work this morning? Whoa, what the hell are you covered in? Dude. I have no idea. I feel like I had a fucking stroke. I'm just going to go home and take a shower. Well, hurry back so that we can review Men in Black. A New York City cop is recruited by a veteran secret agent into a covert organization responsible for the protection and safe harbor of aliens. Of the extraterrestrial variety, that is. It's a trial by fire as the partners soon begin to investigate a series of unsanctioned Earth departures and a string of murders leading to yet another world-ending threat. To make matters worse, the perp causing the ruckus is a giant cockroach hell-bent on seeing Earth and the galaxy's destruction, parading around New York in the skin of a disgruntled farmer. Artie Travis. We'll jump into five-point inspection here in just a minute, but I would love to know your quick diagnostic of 1997's Men in Black. Um, whenever I can on these intros, I like to be a little coy, you know, kind of hint at some stuff I didn't like, you know, some positives. My goal in this podcast is to find something negative to say about 1997's Men in Black. Uh, one of our five points is going to deal with the sequels that came after. And maybe that maybe in my mind that tarnished the legacy of this movie, because when I was going in, I, I kind of did a little bit of an eye roll, especially with Will Smith being in the news, because uh, Will Smith's career at this time depended on him being cool. And I think he's mm -hmm. lost that factor. But getting in the time capsule, going back to 1997 and watching this, <clears throat> a lot of people talk about how. 
Uh, Back to the Future is like the perfect script. Like there's no holes. Everything is just super tight. I would submit this as competition to the title of a best script of a, you know, a big Hollywood movie, because uh, we've talked about on this podcast. A lot of times we'll pause a movie and be like, oh, Jesus Christ, there's still 35 minutes left. When I paused the movie, I was like, damn, there's only fucking 35 minutes left. It was the complete opposite mm-hmm. reaction. I, I wanted more, but ultimately I'm glad they didn't give it to me. Um, I'll get into the other details in the five points, but what did you think generally? Um, so I think I, I can't remember if it was a post show that didn't get posted or not, or if um, it was actually recorded, but I remember loving this movie. And it was one of those where we talk about it, like going back and watching a movie you haven't seen in a while. Like, oh God, I, I hope it, it stands up to, to what I remember it. You know, when this movie came out, I was 10 years old. This is this is the 25th anniversary of this movie, actually. I uh, didn't realize it. Uh, the movie came out in 97. So, um, yeah. So this is 25 years this movie has existed. And I have to say, going back and watching it as an, as an adult, I thought the movie was even better than I remembered. Like, I <laughs> loved this movie. <laughs> I remembered loving this movie, and I watched it and loved it even more watching it as an adult. Like, there's so many subtleties that as a, a 10-year-old I wouldn't have noticed, like between Tommy Lee Jones and, and Will Smith, especially, like, um, just their acting. <laughs> like, at, at points where Will Smith, I think when he pulls the table back and it pans back to Tommy Lee Jones behind the the two-way mirror and he just kind of like smiles and chuckles and you're like it's such a, a beautiful little nod of him just like appreciating will smith <laughs> will smith's humor in that scene but oh my god is it it is we talk about again our perfect timeline is about an hour and a half this movie comes in at an hour and 40 minutes and it is just perfect it is a perfect hour and 40 minutes like even to the point where the movie is the first 10 minutes of the movie sets you up for what the rest of the entire movie is going to be with the, you know, being super meta with the aliens, the, an e, you know, an extraterrestrial alien being smuggled over the border with illegal aliens. And then you, did you notice that was Uncle Rico was the, the van driver? <laughs> I could throw was, this football over the mountains. <laughs> but but the, the whole thing and then, you know, uh, D getting like him having to retire and like you at the end of the movie, you're like, it's a f- like full circle. They just, it was a perfect bookend. Like, they started and ended the same way. And, like, at the end, they do such a great job of establishing everything you need to know about this universe. Oh, hold on, hold up, hold up. You, we might as well get into Avatar then, because that's exactly what that's about. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's let's do some five-point inspection. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you were starting to say it, uh, so I'll just say one little piece and then you can continue your thought if you're able. But the movie that I thought about in comparison to this in, in terms of the exposition and setting up the world was Inception. And here's the thing. I really like Inception. The world building in that, though, breaks down to Elliot Page getting a speech like she's a college student over and mm-hmm. over again, explaining the rules we're, the Avatar character here is Will Smith, and the movie does a brilliant job of just setting everything up, and again, with an hour and 36-minute runtime. So I was just impressed that they were able to squeeze in so much exposition, but it never feels that way. And, and, well, even- and the scene you're talking about with the opening perfectly does that, too, and Will Smith hasn't even been introduced. Like The way that they introduce the fact that, yes, there is extraterrestrial life, there is an organization that knows about it, 
the regular law enforcement agents don't know about it. There's so much conveyed in that opening scene, and it's so entertaining as hell. Mm -hmm. The um, the transitions a lot of times were perfect because it would be a verbal transition to the next scene. Like, I forget like what exactly the lines are about. Like in the beginning of the movie, when you've got it's, I think it it starts with K and then goes with J, and then we see um, the cockroach Edgar happen. But like. K says something about like running. You're gonna, or I think D says something. I'm gonna miss the chase. And the next scene is Jay chasing the cephalopod like through the street. Like they do that all the time. Where like the the last line of one scene transition transitions you into the the beginning of the next scene. I'm like, it's so beautiful when they do that though, because it's again, it's so subtle. But like if you're paying attention, you're just like, oh, they're just they're just teeing you up. Like the way that they're they're transitioning you into these scenes. I think that that was absolutely well, you know, is beautiful and well done. To your point, using Will Smith, uh, Agent J is the avatar. I love the line when he's like giving K the whole thing, like "You chose me. You under you you don't recognize my skills and my and, you know what I got here." And he goes, "Well, just <laughs> K just goes, well, all those skills you have, just realize they mean dick." And then it just pans. Hold on, into hold on, though. You 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 missed one part too because even again, the movie is so efficient with everything it does. He also is like, hey, you recognize my talent, so I don't want to be called slick or sport or whatever. Kid. And then Tommy Lee Jones immediately called. Yeah, he's like kid or sport. And then he's like, OK, slick. Like, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones comedic delivery in this movie. Incredible. And I think we'll, we'll, we've got that in another five point. But yeah. yeah. Uh, and even then like again those subtleties like when zed calls him like kiddo or something like that and this and you can just see will smith's face it's like it's all of those subtleties where it's like it doesn't have to be like explicitly said where smith has to go like you know fuck you or like you know don't call me that it's like just you can see on his face how irritated he is because it has been established earlier that he doesn't like being called that like an amateur and there's this oh my god the movie is just it is so tight like even when i was thinking about it like I was like, how do they, I remember everything that happens in this movie? And I'm like, how do they cram all of this into an hour and 40 minutes? And it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel cramped. That's the thing. Like, it is so well paced with everything, even to the point where you get, you get a backstory for Kay and him like, oh, he was the, the guy with the flowers. And flowers. Then I gets, love that. Yeah. He gets the happy ending when he retires. And then you see the tablets. I'm like, it is just, it is insane how tight this movie is from beginning to end. Yeah, and I I jotted down a couple of lines of dialogue that are just so effective on multiple levels. Um, you know, we talked about it off air. I love the speech, you know, where uh, Jay is like, you know, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. Mm -hmm. and, and Case, you know, gives the, you know, a person smart. People are dumb. Um, but... That scene ends with Jay asking, hey, what's, you know, what's the downside of being a, a man in black? And Kay kind of tells him, you know, you're you're never going to have any human contact again. Your identity is going to be erased. You know, Jay responds, hey, is it worth it? Kay says, yeah, it's worth it if you're strong enough. That just mm -hmm. that. It's a great line with a commentary about humanity. It's a great line of what you're having to sacrifice if you're going to be a member of this organization and mm -hmm. it already kind of implies that that k has sacrificed a lot all this stuff pays off later yeah it's, yeah i get it it's just it's absolutely fantastic i i can't again it's almost like you just want to rehearse the entire movie because it is just it's insane how much 
everything just works and flows together. Um, yeah, I just can't can't say enough positive things about Men in Black. I mean, even to the point, and it's not in the five foot point inspection. I even thought like, oh, 97 graphics, like this is gonna be bad. But this isn't that perfect little Vin, that perfect time where graphics were starting to get popular. So they were using them, but they weren't so popular that they had abandoned practical effects. Like a lot of the aliens in this movie are actually like were puppets and were made and, you know, it's people dressed up on those costumes. So when you get to that point, like nothing feels super aged, like the cockroach at the end, like, I mean, maybe you'd love to see, you know, an HD remake of, you know, an update of this movie where they maybe clean that up. But even that is just like, it's not bad. It's not glaring where I just look at it. I'm like, oh God, these graphics are terrible. It's like because of how sparingly they used it. And I think another key too is they're not trying to recreate a human being through CGI. They're literally creating things that the human mind can't comprehend because we've never actually seen it. So yeah, mm-hmm. the alien at the beginning that, you know, he's holding the guy's head on a stick, which <laughs> Mikey. when Tommy, when, yeah, when Tommy Lee Jones is speaking Spanish to Mikey, he's like, you're, you know, you're really fucking ugly. And just the way he, but again, Mikey is not supposed to be a representation. You know, it's not a CGI lion. Like we saw in the lion mm-hmm. King. It's, it's not, you know, you talk about how the graphics were used sparingly. It's funny, the same uh, visual effects house later did The Phantom Menace two years later. That's, reading between the lines of what you said, Brett, it's like, hey, they know they have great special effects, but they're not going to try to be George Lucas where that's mm-hmm. 85% of what you see on screen. And that's honestly what I was thinking about as we were watching the movie is I was like, we just got done watching Phantom Menace where the graphics didn't hold up with a lot of the creatures that they they designed and made or the fact that they made a green screen movie. Uh, but yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Edgar, throughout the movie, him more and more decomposing because essentially he's an, Ed, an Edgar, Edgar suit. It's like he's wearing an Edgar suit. Um, you know, it's... It's even that subtlety where as the movie draws on, it's the corpse is starting to basically rot on the roach's body. And like it just keeps getting worse and worse. And you know what? We, we're talking about and we're it says a bit in the five points, but when we have great movies, that tends to happen. But they even go to the trouble to establish Edgar as a piece of shit, but only with like a 10 second scene as he's berating his wife you know, complaining about the dinner, but then getting mad that she's taking it away. So mm-hmm. it's like, you don't even have to feel bad for Edgar because, you know, he's probably a spouse abuser. And it was, it was one of the things where it was the first scene where I really laughed out loud. Was like, the only thing I could depend on is my goddamn truck. And the <laughs> figures. <laughs> <laughs> this flux saucer cuts it in half. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Brett, the, the piece about him demeaning the dinner but then yet he still wants to eat it (laughs) yes that's such great character development in what amounts to a 20 second audio gag yeah (laughs) so that you you don't feel bad when he gets to kill like you've you (laughs) get a perfect setup 10 seconds and you no longer feel bad about edgar like you have no feelings towards that they go to the trouble to give the wife of Edgar kind of a happy ending because they erase her memory. And Jay is like, no, no, we need to do better. We need to give her a better 
uh, you know, memory insert. So like even that, this movie is just it leaves no stone unturned. Well, and the, you continue to get payoffs on that every time that Jay sees him use it. Like when they're leaving the morgue, he's like, we're going to need a like memory replacement. It's a happy one. <laughs> because he knows Jay's going to give him a hard time. Oh, and yeah. And Jay talking about like, hey, you know, don't don't flash her again. You know, you're getting rid of all of her medical school, medical school training. You're probably going <laughs> to give her leukemia. Like everything is just every beat is perfect. The seatbelt callback where he tells him to buckle his seatbelt. He doesn't. And then later when they have to use the red button and he winds up falling because once again, Jay didn't like there's so much where it's just like subtle payoffs in this movie where it's like it actually feels like. There's a character and there were decisions. They did something because that is how that character acts in the world. And then later they still act that way. Like they thought through how this, these characters would actually be as opposed to like in any other comedy. where like, it's gags, you know, it's just what are they going to do in this situation? Instead, it's a character and they kind of are given. Yeah, I don't know. Just again. And this kind of fits. I'll, I'll just throw it in to get the five point out of the way. This goes into script polish because. Tommy Lee Jones was hesitant to do the movie uh, because he was not happy with the script. The only reason he signed on is Steven Spielberg basically gave him like a personal guarantee, like we'll improve the script. And Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg is clearly a man of his word. I don't know how many hired guns were brought in to polish this because that's kind of stuff that you it's a little bit harder to figure out through research. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, I, I can't imagine what the script Tommy Lee Jones read looked well, like compared think, to the final product yeah and i think part of the problem too was his complaint was that it wasn't close enough to the source material like basically they had taken the name men in black and it wasn't following even close to the tone of the comic books it's because this is a comic book movie and maybe one of the best comic book movie there is out there but um yeah he wanted it he wanted the the script rework like and even then, like, I think their first choice was Clint Eastwood, and he turned it down, which I'm glad I, Tommy Lee Jones does a much better job than I think Clint Eastwood would have done. Uh, yeah, Will Smith was hesitant to do it because, was it a year prior? He had done Independence Day, and he didn't want to do another alien flick, but his, I guess, Jada Pinkett Smith convinced him to do it, which I can't, I just... We what see, else has she convinced hey, him to do? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now to keep her name out of your fucking mouth. All right, Travis. All right, I apologize. I apologize. Brett Mosher um, just slapped the shit keep out of me. Hurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those. I can't imagine this this movie with anybody other than them. Like it's just this is one of those movies that everything aligned perfectly. You had the perfect cast, the perfect director, the perfect writers. I guess uh, I forget who it was, but there was a director that was offered it and he turned it down because he thought it was basically just Blues Brothers, and then regretted it after the movie came out. Um, but yeah, just. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. The, the, the script was just I dynamite. Like, I don't I don't know why more scripts are not that well done. I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see say what Hollywood is, is fluffing these things with so that you can't have it that that tight. Yeah, I, I again, I have to assume that this is one of those situations where when Steven Spielberg calls you to brush up a script it's it's Mm -hmm. an honor to receive that call you know but it it comes down to you need somebody to the level of spielberg to be as passionate about it to get this end product uh another thing we didn't 
this is gonna be one of those things like we were struggling to come up with five points for this show because there was we there was only like three things we wanted to talk about because we liked it so much but danny elfman as the the composer i mean it's a very danny elfman score but i think it's perfect for this movie i had the soundtrack as a kid actually i don't know if it's just because i wanted men in black but i remember listening there's um there was something called like Funko Jazz, like Space Jazz or something like that on the album. And I listened to that song all the time, too. Like, I actually listened to this album a lot as a, as a kid. Uh, um, I did also love the opening credits. Mm-hmm. I, I love the font of that. Like, the, the movie just doesn't have a misstep. So, yeah, I, this is the polar opposite of, of our review of life. Oh, I, I was way off with the name. It's some Cal Funk, F-O-N-Q-U-E, Morty Vicker. I used to listen to that song a lot, and it's like a weird, like jazzy song. Recommend like, anybody? You got the Apple Music's or the Spotify's? Uh, check that. Check out that that song because it's it's a funky fun song. But um, to get us back on track here, Galaxy and Balance. Uh, <laughs> this this is. I think a lot of the stuff is gonna because the script is just so damn good um this is just about the the perfect balance of they did a great job of balancing slapstick comedy you know which is low it's funny i'm not knocking it but it's the low-hanging fruit like slapstick's pretty easy and then actual like wit comedy with the the delivery and the lines that are done this movie they do a great job of balancing the two of them where at no point does it feel like they're catering too much to like the witty like one-liners or like <laughs> the ball bouncing all around the the mib uh, the, headquarters the baby delivery scene the baby <laughs> yeah jay in the background just being slammed by the tentacle like it's one of the oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, i yeah, love Frank the scene the, in the morgue where uh tommy lee jones is asking about the body and will smith thinks he's talking about linda florentino <laughs> it's like oh yeah. you know great body kind of queen of the dead kind of vibe and tommy lee jones is like the dead body like <laughs> yeah you're gonna want to take a look at that <laughs> <laughs> and i mean i don't think we'll have a chance to talk about her much but i enjoyed linda florentino as, as kind mm-hmm. of the third wheel to to our pair like i thought she gave a great performance and was fun on screen i loved when she's negotiating with the alien roach trying to like say that she's very important <laughs> on the planet that's a lot of mouths to feed <laughs> But, uh, yeah, <laughs> was it, uh, Frank, when he's shaking the, uh, the dog goes, my friend money. <laughs> Dude, and that was the inspiration of, yeah. of my opening because I just love the visual of Tommy Lee Jones on a New York sidewalk, just shaking a pug. Oh, yeah. It's just, I said, it's just, what a, what a, just a, a, Again, fantastic for i would love i would more so love to meet people who did not like like what they didn't like about this movie like because i just i'm looking at the imdb rating so it won't ruin our wrap up but imdb is at a 7.3 out of 10 and i don't understand how this movie can't be higher than that like unless people just don't like again I, even if you don't like sci-fi like the movie actually does a pretty good job of keeping like accurate with i guess like a you know physics and science and shit like that but at the same time like there's not it's not that heavy-handed like i just don't understand what's not to love about this movie yeah i would have to assume that's some sort of residual will smith dislike or you know the 
push your no- glasses up your nose, you know, cinematic experts that would hate this kind of big budget Hollywood filmmaking. But again, this is big budget Hollywood filmmaking done perfectly. Yeah, the, the way it should be. Uh, so our next point, the, the odd couple, I mean, do you want to talk any, a bit more about, you know, just Tommy Lee Jones and, and Will Smith again, as we're talking about perfect balance, I mean, you have a great juxtaposition of the, the dry man with Tommy Lee Jones and then letting Will Smith be the cool guy, even to the point, like the movie is men in black. So he has to wear a black suit, but they still give a decent chunk at the beginning of the movie where Will Smith is just like wearing cool, like cold Clothes from the, the late 90s. Like, he, he gets to have that cool guy attire before he transitions. For the time. For the time, <laughs> yeah. Travis. For the I, time. I Even in 97, I don't know if I if I would have worn that orange jumpsuit thing he's wearing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, when you're the coolest guy on the planet in 97, which Will Smith probably was, you, you can pull it off. I, I, I found it interesting through my research, too, that Tommy Lee Jones' only real complaint about the movie is that he didn't get to do any any funny stuff because he's always the deadpan guy. But his deadpan stuff is some of the funniest stuff in the movie. So I, I even so, think Tommy Lee Jones underestimates how great he is in this movie. Yeah, and I've it's been a while. I'm pretty sure I watched an interview with him once where like that was one of his problems. But then he actually watched the final movie and was like, oh, no, that's the way it should have been. Like he wound up really appreciating what. The, the style of comedy that he actually wound up having, like delivering the lines and as they were shooting, it wasn't wasn't a huge fan. But the end product, you know, came to realize like, oh, no, it was it was spot on. It was exactly what needed. Well, let me ask you this, since we're talking about the odd couple, which would be our two leads. Here's where I'm going to try to, in bad faith, bring up a, a, a complaint. Did you need any sort of background for Jay or were you cool with just him strictly being an avatar character? Because we know was, nothing about him other than that he's a cop and his colleagues are out of shape. Like there's no other backstory to him at all. I don't think so, because the backstory we get for Kay, granted it is just kind of a, a, a plot device. It gives you the, the justification to where you can feel good at the end when he retires. And it's like, oh, it leads up to him. Like, he's been in it from the beginning. He did have a life, and he has a life that he can go back to. Whereas Jay, I, you know, he had something to give up. He was obviously chosen for a reason. I I really didn't. I, you know, I think it also made it easier to where as the audience, you didn't have to think about, like, oh, man, all the stuff that Jay gave up to, to save the universe. Like, it was just like, nope, he, you know, we got the park bench scene where, like, he had to think about it. So you know that there was a part of his life that he had to contemplate. But at the end of the day, he decided to to go ahead and do MIB. Now I know, and and we're probably we'll just transition into another one. Franchise tag. I know in the third movie they decide to give Jay a lot. Well, in the second movie, I think they they go into Jay and kind of his love life, and then in the third movie is actually like a pre sequel where they go back in time and you get a lot more about Jay and his childhood. Gotcha. (laughs) Well, I think most people would agree that this franchise peaked with the first one. And again, it was, it was a bad faith argument because I think that's the mistake that if this movie were being made today, 
either through the actor being like, no, there's not enough for me to play here or the studio feeling like, hey, we've got to give some sort of flashback and pay lip service to his past that they would shoe that shoehorn that in there and then tack on another 20, 25 minutes to the runtime, which then would kill one of the big charms about this movie, which is how tight it is and how you kind of look up and you're like, holy shit we're at the end of the movie. I've just been enjoying the ride so much. It would probably break that flow. Yeah. And I think it goes back to just having a really good avatar, because if you go back to, he's, he's an avatar with character, right? We don't necessarily need the backstory, but we're learning everything we need through in the universe through him. And he's still successful. He's not kind of like a dumb dumb and he's not just milk toast. Like, cause one of our complaints about, you know, uh, what was it? The 2017 Godzilla remake was basically Aaron Taylor Johnson was just a blank slate avatar where it's like, he didn't have any care. You didn't care about anything he was doing. Whereas opposed to this, like you did care about Will Smith's character, Jay. Like I didn't know his backstory, but he was a very charismatic and compelling character toward like, I wanted I wanted to see him on screen. I wanted more of him as opposed to, you know, you know, to compare it to Godzilla. Like I could have cared less if uh Aaron Taylor Johnson was was on screen or not. Yeah, and again, with such a great script, there's always great lines of dialogue coming out of Jay's mouth, mm-hmm. which makes it again easier to root for him. Like it even I'm sitting here saying there's no character development to him at all, but when they're in the pawn shop with Tony Shalhoub, which great cameo one scene by Tony <laughs> Shalhoub, and he's they do the bad boys thing where mm-hmm. Jay is bluffing like, hey, he'll shoot you, he'll shoot you. But then when, when Kay actually does it, Jay springs right back into cop mode. Like, okay, now you've committed a crime. Mm-hmm. I'm going to arrest you. And then, boom, that's where we fully realize or... Again, we're the we're Jay in this sense. We're like, oh, no, Tommy Lee Jones didn't just murder a guy. He just that's an alien that can regrow his head. Mm hmm. Just to experience that oh shit moment along with Will Smith. Again, that's that's why the movie works. And even to to, to play it back, like I always just thought it was. I don't know why I never put the connection together until as we're talking about it right now, but like even when Will Smith, like we establish he doesn't like being called youngster and kid and all this stuff. But when he finally gets his the Zed and uh, K get the comeuppance when he goes, Hey, old guys like <laughs> I didn't it wasn't I didn't put the connection until I'm like, Oh, this is him doing the same thing they just do they do to him with his sport and kiddo and all that stuff. Where it's like he just threw it back at them to get their attention again to show again it goes back to Will Smith is the avatar and you're learning he through him as the, but he's not an idiot because he's the one who winds up solving it, the Orion's belt. And he winds up like, coming up with like where Edward's going to go to get the spaceship. So he isn't just a mindless, you know, character. A, a, he, yeah. A source for a data dump. He's, mm-hmm. he's a lot more than that. Yep. And he, you know, as we again going back to the avatar, it's the it's the example of people versus person. Like it's Jay's basically his all of his thought is what people think, because even to the idea of like the mid, you know, the the noisy cricket. When he's like, I'm gonna break this, and then he actually uses it and it has a gigantic blast to it. Like it's it's all about 
reconditioning your mind against what the the common conception is which would be like oh if it's small it's not powerful or something it's all basically you know yoda and the empire strikes back where you're looking at size doesn't matter you know what what you know can be capable if you're willing to kind of like go beyond what we understand so very interesting but uh as we're talking about franchise tag it is just interesting we're talking about it there was what several years between this and men in black 2 as far as i we've said like this is almost a, a damn near perfect movie it's one of those like making a sequel would have never it was never going to live up to how how well this was like i just i think it's this is you know you're trying to to catch lightning in a bottle with this one you know it doesn't strike the same place twice but this isn't one where like men in black came out and then it was a cash grab where they immediately turned it around and they they needed to make another one it was this came out in 97 2002 was the next one so it was five years before they made another one then i think it was what another 10 years before they made men in black 3 and then another seven years before they did the soft reboot with men in black international it's just it's interesting to see how much space has gone in between all of the films in this franchise in this ip yeah and I'll exclude Men in Black International because it's so modern that it just feels like that was IP mining. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like if a if a movie is going to have a budget over $70 million, it's got to be tied to some sort of existing IP. Um, but the, well, go ahead. With Men in Black International, I think what happened was when the rumors came out about 23 Jump Street being a crossover with Men in Black... I think it got the hype train, and then when they decided not to pursue that, the studio saw, like, well, there's still a lot of attention around Men in Black. Let's go ahead and greenlight a Men in Black movie. And that's the complete opposite way that you should be making movies. Um, <laughs> I don't – was – do you recall at the top of your head, was Men in Black International a flop? Because it seems like it came and went, but I can't confirm. I also think it came in a – well, it was 2017. I'm trying to remember what else was going – I watched it. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but again, it was nothing. It was 2019. So, yeah, it was <laughs> it came out at COVID. So it, it didn't stand a chance. Fair, fair. Did it did it tie in with the previous movies at all? Uh, there's a painting in the woman's office of J&K saving the, the the world. Oh, I bet it's the scene where the spaceship is crashing and they're holding the guns yes it's yeah, yeah it's essentially that so yeah that's, which again that's, that's iconic that's what yeah. this movie does well i mean there's a reason they would call back to that scene because that's an iconic shot yeah they uh yeah it is just a a, a nod to the original one but it, yeah it's not even it's like i said it, it was okay um and let me just say for another movie that we've reviewed uh judd apatow kind of wanted to revisit super bad and uh jonah hill and seth rogan were both like no there's there's absolutely no way that we're gonna (laughs) risk the reputation of the first movie to Mm -hmm. try to strike oil once again and men in black is a perfect example of why you don't do that because yes we went back and revisited men in black we we both loved it clearly but in my mind, I've not revisited to this point because I still associate it with part two. All I remember is Laura mm-hmm. Flynn Boyle as the villain being awful. Um, yeah. So that's that's a prime example of why you 
why you don't go back to the well unless you're absolutely sure. Well, and the second one tried to, I think, just rehash a lot of the themes from the first one because she lands and she's the little like slug thing. And it's like, oh, when she's coming down, you think it's a giant ship and then it winds up being tiny. Like, oh, we're going with the whole concept of like, you know, just because it's large doesn't mean it can't be small. Then the whole thing with the, the animal, the creatures in the locker wound up being their own universe. I'm like, we're just we're kind of unfortunately we're we're just doing the same thing from the first movie just not as well even to the point where like they realized they needed tommy lee jones and they had backed them so like oh he has to wind up getting his memory put back in with a MacGuffin. so like it's the second one was so weird yeah that that was my question i could not remember how they reintroduced tommy lee jones to this world but even if you reintroduce him it's 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 so undercutting the character because he was longing for you know, the love of his life that he sacrificed to be a men in black. And then you're telling me that five years later, he's just like, yeah, I'll come back. Yeah. And, and that's the worst part because basically I think it winds up, they wind up ending in divorce or something like that. So they can bring him back. I'm like, so you wind up, you, to your point, you wound up destroying his arc because he did get his happy ending just so that you could wind up bringing him back. You know, and I think if they have some line about like, he always looked up at the stars, like, there was something in him that knew that there was more to it. Like he couldn't let go of that. So, uh, or maybe, yeah. But again, at the end of the day, it's, it's a shame that you couldn't have just, well, well, especially because you had, um, what's her face? The, the mortician. Uh, why Linda wasn't Florentino. Just, yeah, yeah. Why you didn't just have Linda Florentino in, in J you know, I'm trying to remember what her letter was. Was she, she wasn't Q was she or, no, I, I think that would have been too her. closely associated with James Bond. Yeah, but uh, yeah, why didn't you just let them have their own spinoff? I mean, here's the answer, because Linda Florentino never became A-list status. I mean, that's that's why. Yeah, but did you see Men in Black 3? I have seen pieces of it. I have not seen the whole thing. So I'm going to... I told a listener of this podcast about what we were doing. And he went on the record as saying that Men in Black 3 is the best of the franchise. He loves the first, but he thinks the third surpasses it. I've never seen it. If it surpasses the third, that might be a top 20 movie in the history of cinema. I'd go back. I'll go back and watch it probably casually, but like, I I can't imagine that it it beats out this movie. I mean, I love Josh Brolin, so you know I'm definitely gonna watch because he winds up being young K. But it again it, it they wind up. It's one of those where they kind of fuck with the the timeline and like. So I'm gonna ruin it for you a little bit, uh, unfortunately. And for any listener who hasn't seen Men in Black, but essentially what happens is, if I remember correctly, because again, I've seen most of it in chunks. At the end, like K is there and watches Jay's father sacrifice himself to save the planet. And then that kind of leads into why K was wanted. Jay is his replacement. So, like, oh. it winds up being one of these things where it's like, oh, it wasn't just because he recognizes how good he was. It was kind of like that, you know, he's paying up, you know, looking after. It's it's Star Jade. Wars it's, bullshit. He's got yeah. a high metachlorian count, basically. 
Well, it's, yeah, it's almost like that. Oh, well, his dad made the ultimate sacrifice. So now I have to watch, you know, I, I'm going to keep an eye out for his kid and make sure his kid does well type thing. So so Jay's dad was a man in black as well. He was not, but he was in the, I think, the Space Force or something like Air Force and winds up, you know, he sacrifices himself to save the Earth and Kay witnesses it and therefore, you know, has to, to keep an eye out for for Jay because Jay now doesn't have a father. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a watch just because if somebody tells me that it, it beats Men in Black 1 and it's somebody I respect their opinion, I'll give it a try. But on paper, that does not sound interesting to me at all. Um, yeah. So, and then last but not least in our, our five point inspection, we have our special edition, sixth point of inspection with tune in. Cause that was this trilogy. Um, any thoughts on Will Smith's men in black song? This is, was this the beginning of him writing songs for movies? He was in trying to, to double dip and his fan. <laughs> yes. I think this was definitely the first example um, I don't have much to say about Will Smith rapping other than um, he is what led me down the dark road of, uh, I believe it was like Columbia Music. You, you remember those things back in the day where you would uh, you could get a CD, like get your first 10 CDs for 99 cents. But then they would it was basically the first subscription service where, hey, mm. if you don't cancel, though, we're going to charge you like $30 a month and send you one CD. Mm -hmm. I, I signed up because I wanted Will Smith's Big Willie style. Big Willie uh, style. So, yeah, I I was a fan of this music in the late 90s, and uh, I've hated myself every day since. <laughs> you don't have to be ashamed of it. It's okay, Travis. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, please, you have, if you have more, go ahead. Did you have Willinium too? No. His follow-up album? I, I was out by then. I, I, I think Willinium had Wild Wild West on it, though, didn't it? I've never seen Wild Wild West, full disclosure. Really? Wow. Really? I, mean, I don't think you're missing much, but, I mean, Jim West, Desperado. Wicka Wicka Wild Wild West. Wicka, wicka, I do remember wicka, the song, wild. though. Yeah. Well, this was another one of those. Um, the 90s was crazy because you had all of the film tie in stuff at like fast food joints. Because I remember I'm pretty sure it was uh, Burger King. You could get the men in black sunglasses for like 10 bucks or something. Like It wasn't actual the Ray-Bans, but like it was, you know, the knockoff because they did the same thing with Wawa West where you could get either Jim West or um, whatever Kevin Klein's character his sunglasses were but like again just the the weird tie-in stuff at fast food places because i mean mcdonald's had batman forever and the stupid glasses that everybody wanted i remember the there was a bat i think it might have been the first batman or maybe batman returns but he goes through the drive-thru in his batmobile so yeah <laughs> i mean fast food tie-ins were insane like if you weren't there you'll never fully understand I just I, another one of those. I'd love to see a study as to why they stopped doing it because it, that was just a thing. Like movies with fast food ties, and also um, children's cartoons with tie-ins with everything. Like at one point, I think there was a Judge Dredd cartoon because of the Judge. I'm just like these are R-rated properties. Robocop, <laughs> Aliens, yeah. you know, <laughs> Mortal Kombat had a cartoon for kids at one time. It's like wow, we are just 
I don't even know what's going on here, but all right. I think uh, that about does it for for five point inspection. You know, sorry for anybody who had to listen to us basically jerk off that movie for the last <laughs> forty minutes. But if I just it's 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 hard to to talk about it. It's just it's a fan again. The the script. It's just it's so well done. What they've done throughout that entire movie that it's hard not to just gush on it. It. The, the thing is, is like this wasn't even a trilogy where we had a bunch of bad movies like Footloose. We actually were very pleasantly surprised in that one. And before that, we had Casino Royale, which is one of my absolute favorite Bond movies. And even then, just I I love Casino Royale outside of the Bond. I guess you could say subgenre. It's just a fantastic movie. So like it's just I just again, going back and watching it is just such a great movie. I mean, we didn't even talk about the 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 rest of the the recruitment where they go in there and his whole speech about why he shot little tina in the head those quantum physics books are way too advanced for her now i'd appreciate if you got off my back or do i owe her an apology (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you said at the beginning you could we could spend about 30 minutes just going through the memorable quotes page on IMDb and just reciting lines. Cause I, you know, I, I'd be pretty pissed off if somebody came and popped a cap of me while I'm working out. Like <laughs> all that, all of it, just brilliant. Just brilliant. Even, even just the scenes before that, where they're doing the written test. And it's just, again, it goes back to the slapstick where he rips the, <laughs> the paper in half when he's trying to open it because he doesn't pop the the side thing off with the pencil when he rips the exam cover page in half and then he goes to pop it and breaks the pencil and i'm just like again i'm like i'm laughing and it's just it's simple slapstick comedy and then him trying to put the pencil back together to take the test and he asks zed like hey you know what are we doing here and the, the one of the military guys offers to answer and he's like go ahead and he's like, looking for the best of the best da, 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 da. and then jay's just like Okay, so he doesn't know why the fuck we're here either. Gotcha. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's got a real problem with authority. So do I. <laughs> so. Oh. And, and just the throwaway lines toward, like, you... Beautiful throwaway lines. The whole thing about, like, oh, does aren't we funded by the government? No, we don't. We have some really great patents from, from some friends from out of town where she's like... It's such Velcro. a throwaway line, but yeah, Velcro. It's like you don't even have to think about. It. It's like, oh, now like anything else is like, it's you've given you've given yourself a completely open door where like you don't have to worry about any weird things like that anymore. Where it's just like, oh no, it, it completely makes sense. Well, and also because I, I had this jotted down, the fact that uh, K goes to the newsstands and gets tabloids like every mm-hmm. other day because that's where MIB finds their aliens. That was a brilliant touch. Like the National yeah. Enquirer is actually something used by this agency to track down leads. Yeah. Like it's funny, Times, but it also is world building. Yeah. And North Times gets lucky every once in a while, you know. So. <laughs> but we'll we'll uh, now get into some of our other segments. So we'll go ahead and do Blue Book. Um, you ready? For, you ready? For this one all right so the, the the sticker value of this here flick all right was 90 million dollars estimated in 1997 all right what do you think this movie brought in u.s and canada 
201 million. 250 million. Ooh. Is what it brought in US and Canada. Do you want to guess what it brought in worldwide? Uh, 320 million. 590 million. So again, it is one of those crazy when we talk about like that the the studio did not immediately green light green light a, a a sequel right off the bat. Like we need another Men in Black immediately. Like for whatever reason, they sat on this one for a while before they decided they were going to try and make a sequel out of it. I have to assume that has to do with Will Smith being probably the most in demand actor at the time. I would. I would have to look at what his other projects following Men in Black were, which I'm doing I'd also now. I'd be interested to see what, uh, so, listeners, give me one second, because I would like to see who, who, what all changed between the two in terms of, like, producers and, uh, of course. Did you ever watch the TV series, or were you a little aged out of that? Yeah, no, I was, I was aged out. So, same director uh, with Barry uh, Sonnenfeld. The writers... You, Lowell... Oh, okay, Lowell Cunningham did the comic, so he has credit for that. Ed Solomon did the the Men in Black, and Robert Gordon and Barry Fanaro did the, the movie script. Huh. Yeah, so Will Smith followed up Men in Black in 97 with Enemy the State in 98, which I'm a big fan of. Wild Wild West in 99. Yeah, so he, I assume it was because he was busy, because he was doing some pretty big projects. He worked with Michael Mann on Ali. Uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance, I remember being a tremendous bomb, but going into it, yeah, mm-hmm. it was directed by Robert Redford. So, yeah, I'm assuming that it was on the back burner just because he was working with every big director in Hollywood at this time. Well, what's funny is who wrote Men in Black 2 was Robert Gordon, who in 1999 wrote Galaxy Quest, which is another one of the like quintessential like sci-fi comedies. So, yeah. and then went on to write Men in Black 2 and then the Jim Carrey series of unfortunate events. And then hasn't really done much since then in terms of writing. Huh. But oh, yeah, I didn't just, realize that Wild Wild West was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld as well. <laughs> There's a really interesting story um, that I think it's Kevin Smith talks about <laughs> with Wawa West. So you haven't seen, but the end of the movie, they have to fight a giant mechanical tarantula is, is what winds up happening. But apparently I think it's the producer or something like that. The producer for Wawa West, the project before that was like, he was working on a Superman movie that I think didn't get green or something like that, or wound up falling. And what he wanted was like Superman to fight a giant spider in that movie. 
and it fell through and then the next movie he produced was wild wild west where they had to fight a giant spider and it's just one of those like someone had decided they really wanted a fucking giant spider it's it's like because at the end of wild west like it's like it doesn't make any sense why they've built a giant metal spider to go do any of this but okay um but yeah no this movie was super successful so which i'm glad to hear so now, let's do a little tag and tile. You ready to do some tag and tile? Uh, I'm going to give you three taglines. One is a tagline, an official tagline for this movie. One is a tagline that I created myself. And one is a tagline for a movie I found adjacent. What I'm going to need you to do is tell me what the official tagline for this movie yeah, this one's going to be easy for you. So here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> you sandbagging son of a bitch. Go ahead. Sometimes good guys don't wear white. We've always believed we weren't alone. On July 4th, we'll wish we were. That's Independence Day. And then protecting the earth from the scum of the universe. Yeah, you're right. I've got this. Protecting the earth from the scum of the universe is an official tagline. Uh, that middle one is Independence Day. And the first one, good tagline, Brett. You're back this week, not trying to sabotage me with shitty ones. Mm-hmm. That's a great tagline <laughs> because you created it. You are 100% correct on all of them. So, funny enough. Great. Uh, can I just say great motherfucking tagline for Independence Day? That's a great oh, tagline. Yeah. Uh, Men in Black came out July 2nd. So, it was another July release damn yeah i i had heard uh that like will smith had the greatest like three movie run box office wise at the time in history independence day men in black i'm assuming would have to be two of those three i don't surely wild wild west was not involved in that but i can't imagine would it have been like was he an enemy of the state yes yes it might have been enemy of the state i would think yeah that makes sense Let's see if we can locate. So in, oh, it might've been bad boys. Bad boys was 95. Independence day was 96. And then men in black was 97. Yeah, that's probably it. But yeah, I mean, again, Uh, it's hard to, I know younger listeners just think of Will Smith as this corny guy who slaps people at the Oscars. (laughs) And, you know, does, you know, corny family movies like Pursuit of Happiness and is a Scientologist. But I'm telling you, 95 to probably Hitch, mm-hmm. nobody cooler. Nobody. Yeah. No, he, he, I mean, he was basically what The Rock is in Hollywood now. It's like you put, if you put Will Smith in a project, it was going to be a, a uh, I'm not the saying Rock it's Apple's is the poor man's Will Smith. Uh, that's yes. what I'm saying. That's what The Rock is now. I'm not saying he's as successful as Will Smith was at that time, but that is the cool, the closest. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to equate to today is what they use Dwayne the Rock yeah, Johnson I'll, for. I agree with you there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Enemy of the State was '98, so it was either it either started with Bad Boys or his run ended with Enemy of the State. So, and honestly, it could have been. Could have been any of those. And then he went on to do Wild Wild West, The Legend of Bagger Vance, Ali, Men in Black 2, Bad Boys 2, iRobot, Shark Tale, Club Oscar. Yeah, Hitch. 
So, yeah. Um, all right. So, do you have a time capsule for us this week? Uh, I do. It's a very brief one. But um, the INS agent named Janice at the beginning of the movie. Uh, now, you're probably not going to know him by character, but did you recognize any of the the actual police or INS agents at the beginning of the movie? Um, I don't think so. So I believe he's wearing like the Smokey the Bear hat. But OK, he looked familiar, but I could not tell you who he was. He pe- he appeared in 11 episodes of a little show that we both enjoy, Brett, called Fuck, Lost. Lost. He was, oh, he was um, Kate's, Kate's, yeah. uh, what is US it? Marshall. The Air Marshal. The U.S. Marshal. Yep. Your Edward guess. Mars. Yep. That's yep. him. As soon as you said it, I was like, I know exactly what he was in. Yep. And, and it was the same thing, Brett. I saw his face while watching Men in Black, and I'm like, I know that motherfucker. I have seen him somewhere before. And then after the movie, I looked and I'm like, yep, sure enough. He's got uh, Kate handcuffed on the plane. Yep. Yeah, as soon as you said that. Hmm. Yeah, sometime, maybe maybe in year 10 of the Hollywood Chop Shop, but we're going to do some sort of lost retrospective at some point, Brett. I'm just going to We're going to have to, yeah. At least the first season at least so with that we're coming into our final segment here the chop shop Travis you ready to do some choppy chop kind of Yes, so audience, I think we here at the Hollywood Chop Shop, your beloved cinema mechanics, we have failed you this week, and I apologize. I, uh, it's one part when we get movies that we love this much, it's hard for us to to cut them up, um, because you just wind up fixating on everything you loved about the movie, and you don't want to cut that out or, or think about changing it. Um, and then the other part is, uh, I think just life got in the way and really wasn't able to devote a lot of time towards it yep let let me just stop you brett because you're too modest if you're listening to this uh my co-host has a art gallery showing uh this saturday in jacksonville uh so if you're in town where is it at brett the I don't, why am I saying this? It's probably not going to get posted until. Yeah, after no, it's your... definitely going to get posted after. Okay, after so the show, but we'll don't do worry a retrospect. about where it is. <laughs> don't worry about where it is. But here's what I'll say: M O S H F O L I O Moshfolio dot com. My co-host is is quite quite the artist. Uh, it, it's it's possible. I doubt it. I think he'll sell out of all materials, but. He has told me that if he has any pieces left over, they will be available for sale on moshfolio.com. Uh, be prepared because I'll be buying anything that appears rather quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check out that website uh, uh, in late May, early June. 
you might find something you like. So yes, my, my co-host it was a little distracted with uh, the fact that he is a uh, budding successful artist. Uh, I'm just a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> oh, thank you for your kind words. Um, but this week, I think we both just had kind of an overarching idea. So I usually I have notes and I go into great detail about what I would do. I got horror this week, so I'll be glad to give kind of a very, you know, thousand foot view of what I would have done uh, and got into more detail with. Travis, you got family friendly? Family friendly? Yes. <laughs> Who would you like to start off? I'll be glad to start. I think we'll both be brief. So give me about 45 seconds. All right, sir. Let's take it from the top. Your dad's in black. Wait, what? I assume that would be the family flick is that it's going to be dad's in black. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Yeah. So family friendly. Um, again, this movie is perfect. I don't use that term lightly. Um, I was thinking, though, if we were going to pad the runtime and add another 20 minutes to make it even more family friendly, how would I do it? And as Brett just revealed, it's dads in black. Uh, so the husband and wife who are leaving New York. Yeah, I hope you're proud of yourself. Uh, and Jay has to help them deliver the baby. Uh, but instead of leaving it as a one-off gag, the father's going to have some sort of important information that necessitates the new parents and their baby to be put in temporary witness protection to be guarded by Jay and Kay. So I'm envisioning, like, the men in black have a secluded lake house in, like, upstate New York. And, you know, they'll go there, Jay, Kay, and the family... And the baby's going to feel like a special connection to Jay because he technically helped deliver the baby. I mean, like yeah. Kay said, you know, just play catch is all you got to do. But um, and Brett, like you always say. Uh, whenever a movie lets you down with an idea or execution of an idea, I, I really love this because I always hear you saying it in my head. You can do literally anything. You can do what you <laughs> want. So I'm thinking with that in mind. We'll introduce a little twist about the baby that this race of aliens grow to adulthood quite quickly. So Jay will be stunned to wake up on day two of witness protection to find that the infant is now a toddler. And then on day three, it's like an elementary school age child, then like a moody teenager. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I mentioned Jay didn't have any backstory. I'm thinking maybe Jay. This might make it a little heavy closer to Oscar bait, but maybe Jay. And his girlfriend had a baby, but it, it they either miscarried it or it, it it died as an infant after birth. And this will be like a little interlude where Jay gets to live the life of a father over the course of like a week to this baby that he has a special connection with. Uh, and it'll still be comedic because you've got the, you know, hey, I thought I was taking care of an infant and now I'm, I'm raising a toddler. Oh, wait, now mm -hmm. I've got to go into the teenage years. So just have an interlude in the middle of this movie, 20, 25 minutes, where Jay gets the chance to be a father to that alien baby as, you know, Kay is, is working through the case with the parents. So yeah. that, like you said, that my 100 miles up view, that that's it. Okay. So yes, father's in black, you motherfucker. 
Ah, uh, the missing, the missing scene from Men in Black. Because uh, it's pretty family friendly as is. I, I'm sure you agree. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it might be PG thirteen, but it's. I mean, it's a it's a very tame PG thirteen. But uh, what um, did you do with horror? Your high level view. So, <laughs> very similar. I was going to keep most of the frame of the movie because it's like I don't know what I would change about this movie. All I was going to do is, when it comes time when the the tall, the really tall kind of like skeletal dude talks to the Arkelian that was the little guy in the face of the the jewel, the jewelry shop yeah, guy. Yeah. They are going to make it to MIB, like the uh, was it customs to get off the planet, and that's when Ed, the Edgar Roach is going to ambush the MIB headquarters. And ultimately, what it's going to wind up being is Edgar's, like, is maybe almost like a, a the Cloverfield, the little things that fall off of it. Maybe Edgar has some little children on him, like larger than the roaches that are coming out of his cuffs. So, like. They're assuming the bodies, almost like a invasion of the body snatchers or like a thing type thing where he's starting to kill. The lights are going out and you don't know who has been infected by a roach and who has not. And essentially it's going to be MIB, J and K trying to keep the uh, the Arkelian prince alive while at the same time trying to figure out who is actually the uh, the bad, you know, the roaches the bugs so no i like that and i here's the thing again another mark of quality of this movie is you could easily tweak this movie and make it r and edgar would be fucking terrifying yes. terrifying like he's already kind of terrifying in a very like kid friendly movie <laughs> but if you really wanted to ramp the horror element up edgar is the perfect way to go and even even my thing the movie does such a great job of just that particular. What I'm trying to say is any chop shop we got, it wouldn't be much of a stretch to turn this movie into. And I mean, I can't think of a greater compliment for a movie. And I can't really think. This is not my favorite movie we've ever reviewed, but I think it might be the best. I, I it's it's definitely up there. Yeah. I mean, it hits comedy, sci fi and blockbuster perfectly. I mean, for as a, a, those three combos, and to your point, like it wouldn't be hard to 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 turn this into anything else if you wanted to. Even the Oscar bait stuff, like you said, if you just interject the stuff about Jay's backstory, like if you took, you know, about you know why he's you got a chip in his shoulder. I was gonna say you could do either one of them. You could do K and about how he, you know, well, the life had, that he he's had given flowers up. that he yes. was going to bring to his girlfriend that night. Like he literally yeah. was on the way home with flowers, like. There's your Oscar bait right there. Flesh yeah. that out. Then you could have Jay on the other side is, you know, maybe he did have problems with his father. Like he's always trying to, 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 to be the best at whatever it is. And then suddenly, you know, you start having Jay and Kay wind up having a, a weird father son relationship. And now you're going down the Oscar bait route because that's the life that Kay was never able to have. And Jay is the father figure that, you know, Jay is seeking the father that he never had and trying to get that approval that he was never able to get from a father figure. And like, again, it wouldn't be hard to go down those paths with this movie. And even if you had miniseries, I know a lot of times when we get miniseries, we kind of just chop up the movie. But there are so many interesting characters like 
if you gave me an episode dedicated to Frank the Pug, I'd be down. Uh, mm-hmm. If you gave me an episode that focused on Tony Shalhoub's character, I'd be down. Like, there's just... What? It's such a rich world filled with characters that I want more of. The, the Even fucking the br- aliens with the coffee. Yeah, the little break room aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's just a lot going for this movie. It's just... Like I said, I've I don't understand the people that that couldn't find anything to enjoy that they that they would dock the movie. Like to me, that this this should be no lower than an eight on on IMDb, no lower than an eight. Well, with that in mind, do you want to give you know what's your recommendation? We both love the movie, but would you recommend this to everybody? Is this a must see? I think I won't say it's a must see because I don't think that there's like when we looked at uh, oh shit what was it like Total Recall like I love this movie way more than Total Recall but there's a lot in Total Recall that is referenced in pop culture I don't see a lot Ben and Black did not have the cultural significance or impact that like a, a Total Recall did where like you've got movies coming out today that are referencing lines and things that happened in Men in Black that you would miss out on not seeing the movie. So if sci-fi or comedy, God forbid, or like blockbusters aren't really your thing, like you really just watch movies for musicals or rom-coms or you know something like that, like I could see this movie not not being your cup of tea and i would say like you don't need to watch it but i think for me there should be something for just about any moviegoer in this movie to make it entertaining and worth watching so i i would say you should watch it but i don't think it's a must watch or anything like that um so many times i recommend movies on the basis of hey if you're if you're doing laundry if you got stuff going on in the background it's a good fun movie to put on as you're you know, checking in and out of it. I would not recommend this movie in that way at all. And Mm. I mean that as the highest compliment. This movie is so tightly paced and it's so funny, so so well written at every moment. If you're going to watch this, sit down and watch it. Because it's it's a breeze to to get through. It's it's such an enjoyable watch. I I guess I'll go even further than you, Brett. I would recommend it... Anybody who is interested in having a good time watching a movie and you haven't seen this, do yourself a favor and watch it. I am the most cynical bastard in the world when it comes to movies. If there's not, I mean, you you read me for filth back in the life review. I recommended <laughs> it because of the downer twist ending. This is the exact opposite. It's just I had a smile on my face the whole time. I laughed quite a bit. Again, you're not it's not a big time commitment. Yeah. Highest of recommends. Probably the highest recommend I could give to a movie where across a universal audience, I feel like the success rate as far as people liking it would be extremely high. So check out Men in Black. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to your point, like this is not a movie I could I could have going on in the background because whatever I'm doing, I'm gonna sit down and watch Men in Black instead. Like I just there's no way around it. Like Again, the pacing like you're talking about, like there's it's just it's going to suck you in and there's never going to be that moment where you're like, I'm going to get up and go do something. You're just going to watch. You're just going to finish the movie out. And, so. and funny enough, Brett, uh, be, again, because I'm cynical and, and I hate feel good movies. 
when I first started watching this, I was like, you know what? I'll have my computer open. I'll be doing a couple other things within before that first scene ended, before the alien, ex, before Mikey gets exploded into blue mm-hmm. goo. I just closed the laptop. I was like, no, I this. Why even fake it? I'm just going to be watching the movie the whole time. So let's commit <laughs> to it. And, and I can't compliment a movie higher than that. Yep. So. Well, there you have it, folks. We. Your beloved Cinemechanics could not give higher praise to Men in Black. So, one of the best movies we've ever seen. Bar none. So, I honestly think... I would love to put this up against Jurassic Park, which might be one of my favorite movies, or just best movies of all time as well, and see which one came out on top. Uh, well, I think we're going to get to it pretty soon. If I had to guess off the top of my head, I'm probably going to prefer Jurassic Park because there's a little more death involved. <laughs> Not where I thought you were going to go with that one, but I think Jurassic Park's another one of those that just really, it manages to hit a couple different genres in just the right way. Well, because I was actually on another uh, movie review podcast, uh, Straight Chillin', which is a as a guest, a long time ago, as a guest, okay? I'm not cheating on you, I promise. But I uh, I convinced them, they're a horror podcast, and I convinced them to review Jurassic Park because I told them that it's actually a monster horror movie, even though most people claim that it's like an adventure film. Like, the way that it's actually shot, it's like, even from the, the very beginning of the movie is Maldoon and the Raptor, and I'm like, it is a monster movie, like... Uh, bar none it is a horror movie and yeah we'll eventually get to that but i dress Park is just again another fantastic fantastic movie that, common uh, thread between men in black and jurassic park sir steven spielberg sir steven spielberg <laughs> speaking of which did you notice both him and george lucas were some of the aliens that were listed <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh Alrighty, well, I think we'll take that as an opportunity to to wrap up this episode. Uh, we definitely have our tune-in wrap-up that will be coming out pretty soon, and then do we know what the next trilogy is? I mean, we have we switch, have two. Right? What is it? Isn't it the body switch? Yeah, body switch. I knew we had two. I couldn't remember which one we were doing next. So actually, we have the next three, don't we? Lined up? Maybe, maybe not. I think so. Oh, next we definitely have the next two um but yes yeah, so the body switch trilogy which is gonna be great because that's freaky friday detective pikachu and <laughs> face off want to take his face <laughs> off <laughs> i cannot wait for that grouping of films <laughs> yeah but yeah if you don't have anything else brett i am i am parched i'm gonna go ahead and get a glass of water and pour about 12 cups of sugar in it Sugar water. Sugar water. No, but do the voice. You did the voice so well earlier. Do oh, the Edgar voice. Oh, the Edgar voice. I was doing the his wife's voice earlier. No, no, no. You did Edgar's, though, at one point, because I was quite impressed with it. I don't even remember doing it. I must have been in another. I'm, I'm Sugar water. There you see, there you, God damn it, Brett. Watch you. I guess I did, maybe, so maybe I did do that. Yes, you did do it. Sugar, sugar water. Listen, he's got a big art show. Is this up, better? So forgive him. 
Elizabeth. Your, your, your skin's hanging off your bones. Alrighty. Right. Fare thee well. We'll see y'all next time. Oh, Brett, I, sorry. Did you stop recording yet? No, not yet. What's up? You know what the difference between you and me is, Brett? <laughs> no. I make this look good. <laughs>